First Timothy chapter 2. Let me say, uh, why don't we say thank you to the Hill Country Band, to the choir, and to Stomp for leading us in that awesome display of music and worship. Thank you so much uh, to those guys for that. Uh, we're, we're excited. Man, what a joy uh, to be here uh, to celebrate our nation and our Lord Jesus. Uh, it's just good. It's a good day. Um, 235 years ago tomorrow, our founding fathers signed a declaration of independence from the tyranny and bondage of the crown of England. And, and what it boiled down to is these men believed that freedom was worth it no matter what the cost was. If it cost them their business, if it cost them their property, and even if it cost them their life. And so they signed that declaration. They put their life on the line. And in the ensuing years, they suffered. In the ensuing war, the Revolutionary War, history tells us that 4,435 men lost their lives so a nation could have its independence, so we could be free. Having gained our nation's freedom, that began a process where uh, generation after generation, Americans fought, many died to preserve our freedom. In the War of 1812, 2,260 men died. In the Mexican War, over 13,000 died. In the Civil War, more than 620,000 of our men and boys died on the, on the soil of America to preserve our freedom. And then you know the World War I came and over 100,000 uh, died there. And World War II was over 400,000. Then there was the Korean conflict and Vietnam. And then there was the Gulf War. And now there's Afghanistan and Iraq and Libya. And there's a lot of other battles mixed in between. But, but what we know is that over these 235 years, over 600,000 men and women have died on foreign soil. And some 1.25, actually 1.27 million men and women have died so you and I could be free. And so we could have the privilege of gathering in a house of worship on a Sunday and singing these patriotic songs and pledging a flag and honoring a God and a Lord uh, that we believe in. And they believed in it so much they gave their lives. And so this morning I want us to think and to remember that freedom has a price. Real freedom has its price. And chances are somewhere today, somewhere around this world of ours, a man or a woman or a young man or a young woman or maybe more will give their lives so you and I have the right, enjoy the privilege that we can sit here and sing and worship. And so without apology, i tell you this morning, um, in exchange for what they've done, we need to say thank you. And I can say without apology that we live in the greatest nation on earth. No other nation has the safety we have. No other nation has the security we have. No other nation has the affluence that we have. No other nation the opportunity that we have. No other nation has the freedom that we enjoy. I've not been everywhere, but I've been a few places. And there just ain't anywhere else I'd rather be. I mean, if, if, there, if there's somewhere for you, then have at it, okay? You're free to go, but we're free here. And thank God for men and women who've given their lives and served their country to make that happen. This really is the land of the free. 
And it really is the home of the brave. But in the midst of all that, I want us to think for a few minutes this morning. Uh, in, in the middle of the land of the free and the home of the brave, there are there is an absence of freedom for many. There's an absence. Uh, there's just a lack because there are people that woke up this morning and they're really not free. They're, uh, they're for lack of a better term, they're in slavery. They're in bondage. Uh, some woke up this morning in bondage to fear. They're afraid to die or they're afraid of where they're going to work next or they're afraid of if they're going to keep their home. And even in the land of the free, there are people that, that are afraid because of the future. There are those who woke up this morning and, and if you see them, they have a smile on their face, but in their heart, they're empty. They're lonely. They're missing something. They're really not free. And still others woke up this morning and, and they woke up to a habit that just won't go away. They've tried this and they've tried that or they've tried something else. And no matter what they try, they just can't seem to be free. And that happens right here in the home, home of the brave, in the land of the free. And there are even others that, that woke up this morning or perhaps they laid their head on their pillow last night and they couldn't quite get away from the guilt and maybe even the shame of, of something that happened somewhere. Either they did it or somebody did it to them, but they're, they're not free. Even though they live in the land of the free and even though they live in this great nation of ours, they're enslaved, they're in bondage to something that they can't get away from. And maybe even for some of you, there's perhaps some of you this morning, you don't enjoy the freedom, the very best freedom that God has for you. i got some good news. I want to read a passage of Scripture, and I want to share with you how you can be really, really free. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Why don't we begin reading in verse 3. Would you stand with me in the honor of reading God's Precious holy word. First Timothy chapter 2. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start in verse 1 and we'll go down through verse 6. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved. And to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Who gave himself as a ransom for all men. The testimony given in its proper time. Would you join me as we pray together. Father, we're going to think about freedom today. And we've talked about the men and women who have died. So we could live in a free land. And Father, this morning I want us to, for a few minutes, to look into your word and see what your word says about another man, the perfect man, the Christ man, who also died so we could be free. And so I invite you, Father, to, by your Holy Spirit, to come this morning and to just to pour into our hearts a message of hope. Father, for the one that is here this morning and they're fearful. May you encourage them. For the one that seems empty or lonely and, and, and absent of hope, may you, may you fill them. 
For the one who is guilty, may you give them peace. For the one who is enslaved to a habit they can't break, may they enjoy victory. May you come this morning, Father, and give us spiritual freedom. Father, I pray that you would indeed do that. And when you do, we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise for it all. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I was reading and reflecting this week a little bit on some of this stuff. And I read a little bit about the Boston Tea Party, and uh, which led up to the Declaration of Independence. Now, if you didn't do well in history growing up, uh, I don't want to bring back any bad memories. But, uh, but I was just doing some research and kind of reflecting back. And, you know, they had all these acts. And, you know, the, 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 the crown, England uh, wanted to, they wanted to have control. Basically what it boils down to, they wanted to control the colonists. And uh, they wanted to levy a tax. And you remember the, the story, or at least part of the story. Uh, they had shipped in a bunch of tea, and they offered it at a small price and, or a cheap price. And they thought, well, you know, the colonists, you know, they love tea. It's a luxury. Even though there's a tax with it, they'll drink this tea. And as the story goes, they wouldn't drink it. And one of the reasons, maybe the chief reason, is they didn't want the English crown and the British parliament they did not want them to have the right to levy taxes. You remember the phrase, no taxation without representation. They didn't want to be enslaved or in bondage to the crown. And so they dumped the tea. And it all happened from there. But the whole point of that is they wanted to be free. They were in a dilemma and they chose freedom. Well, nearly 2,000 years ago, as God looked down, mankind was in a dilemma. They were in a similar, or I guess I could say we. We were in danger of bondage and slavery as well. In fact, the Bible says that we are enslaved to sin. I think it's in Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Paul wrote, he said, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. And you know, the Bible says that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, all of us, we've all made a few mistakes. Some of us have probably made more than some of you, but we've all made some. And because, and the Bible says spiritually, we're, we're in bondage or enslaved. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in first or second Timothy 2 26, that, that men can even be entrapped by the devil. And, and we see that sometimes in our culture where people unintentionally begin a habit because it's fun and wind up in bondage. And, and by the way, you need to know, and I'll say this particularly for our children and teenagers, or I need to say it for all of us, sin is fun for a season. I mean, for a while, sin is fun. But the old saying is it, it, uh, it takes you further than you want to go, It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And sooner or later, it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Because it, 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 it binds us and it gets us in bondage. And so Paul understood that and so he writes about that. And so God looked down and said, man, listen, you know, the world's in bondage. And, 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 and the thing of it is, you know, we are sinners and God is, is holy. And so there's this gap between holiness and perfection in sinfulness and imperfection. And so God 
We needed a mediator. And so our text says God sent Jesus Christ, the mediator. In other words, he could take us by the hand. And then he takes the Father by the hand and he can bridge the gap. And that's what a mediator does. If you're a sports fan like me, you're, you're watching the NFL talks, wanting to know if we're going to have a season this year. And what they got, they, they, they got two sides and they got a guy trying to mediate, trying to bring that together. Well, that's what Jesus did. He came. And, and the Bible says he offered his life. If you noticed our text there uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, listen closely. Uh, to verse 6, it says, who gave, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. As a, and the term ransom, that's interesting uh, theologically uh, because ransom was, it was kind of a legal word. It, it, describes, it describes that when you pay money to secure the release or the return of something which has been passed into someone else's possession. Or maybe a better definition, a ransom is a price paid to secure the freedom of a slave or to set free from liabilities and charges and generally the deliverance from calamity by paying the forfeit. And so Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to pay a price that would set us free from the bondage and the enslavement to sin. And he came to ransom us. And now that's pretty deep theology and, 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 and I understand that. But let me just say this. There's some great benefits that come from Jesus being our ransom. When he offered himself to God unblemished, when he shed his blood, uh, the Bible says he took our place. And if you put your faith and trust, if you surrender your life to Jesus, in exchange for that, he pays your penalty or he pays my penalty. And he sets us free. The whole idea of a ransom is to make a payment so someone else can be free. And so this morning I want to spend just a few minutes and I want to talk with you about the benefits of freedom. It, you know, if you give your, if you surrender your life to Jesus, what, what are the benefits? I mean, as an American, we, the freedom we have, listen, we can go wherever we want to go. You can get in your car and drive a thousand miles either direction free. Well, gas isn't free, but you can go wherever you want to go. I mean, it's amazing. I, I used to take for granted that you can get on an airplane in Georgia and fly to California and get off and everything's the same. I mean, we flew to India a few years ago. I mean, you get off the plane and we were the only, we were the only Caucasians there. And they had guns. And, and I'm telling you, you know, those saying, you know, uh, little girl wasn't in Kansas anymore or whatever. Man, when you get off the plane in Africa or India, you realize you ain't in the land of the free anymore. We take for granted. But, but Jesus came to set us free. And let me just share with you some benefits. I'll give you five this morning. First of all, when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you, you can get free from fear. You can get free from fear. Now, I don't, I don't know if any of you have any fears. I was kind of thinking about this. And I, you know... Nowadays, if you have a question, you just get online. And so I got online and looked up some of, you know, I thought, well, you know, fear is phobia. Let me check out some of them phobias. 
And I got online, there's some website, and they've got a list of all the phobias. And, and I, I'm not making this up, and I, I, I do have it with me. Uh, the, the phobias that start with an A, there's a whole nother page that start with an A. Now, some of them, some of them are kind of interesting. Um, agliophobia is the fear of pain. Sign me up. But electrophobia is the fear of chickens. <laughs> now, a chicken? <laughs> and, and here, let's see. Um, a blutophobia is the fear of bathing. If you're sitting by somebody that has a blutophobia, I did not know. It's not my fault. Um, my daddy always thought some people were afraid of work. Ergophobia is the fear of work. Um, Syngenesophobia is the fear of relatives. So if, if, if you and your mother-in-law don't see eye to eye, Syngenesophobia. Okay, I mean, there's all kind. Uh, you know, I was talking to one of our local dentists. He said, some people are afraid of me. You know, sign me up for that. I mean, there's, there's just page after page. You know, we like, and it is funny. But, you know, people are afraid. People are afraid of a lot of stuff. Some of it's real and some of it's imagined. I, I personally, I think the greatest fear is thanatophobia, and that's the fear of dying. I did some research a few years ago. I guess you'd say research. I did a lot of reading a few years ago. And, and some of the reading said that some people were, were more afraid to give a public speech than they were to die. And I thought, you know, I, of course, it's easy for me to say because I give a public speech every Sunday. But I can, I can just imagine if you put a, a, if this was an electric chair and you was all wired up to that, you could come sit in that. Or you could come pick up Dan's microphone and talk. Most people would pick the microphone. Because there's a real fear to die. You don't have to be afraid to die. Because the Bible says if, if you give your life to Christ, you live even if you die. I mean, if, I, if I'd never given my life to Christ, I'd be afraid to die too. But when Jesus came, he came to set people free from fear. You don't have to be afraid to die. Jesus can set you free from that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, li listen to this verse. Hebrews 2, and luck it will probably get on the screen before I get there. Hebrews chapter 2, listen to verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Fred, I'll tell you, if you're afraid to die, you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and he can set you free from that fear. Now, uh, I mean, I think he can probably set you free from the fear of chickens. I, I don't know. I think if, if you're trusting... He can do that. But he came. Listen, one of the benefits 
of being spiritually free is you don't have to live in fear. You can live with confidence. So you can be free from your fear. Second benefit of being free is, let's just, we'll call it the freedom from the, from the empty way of life. In, um, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, 1 Peter 1, listen to, uh, listen to verse 18. 1 Peter 1, interesting little verse here. Uh, the apostle Peter writes, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Um, man, the Jew, I don't know if you, how much you know about Jewish history, but they had about 600 rules that they had to keep. About 260 or 70 were positive things they were supposed to do. And about 350 were things they were forbidden to do. And they spent their whole life trying to keep the rules. I mean, and, and, and so they didn't have a relationship with God. They were just empty. They had an empty way of life. And some of you, perhaps when you woke up this morning, there was an emptiness in your heart. Maybe it's because you... Feel like you don't measure up to the standard. Maybe it's because you feel lonely and you don't really know, you know, in your circle, there's not really anybody there that loves you and cares about you. Maybe you woke up discouraged or even depressed. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus came to free you from the empty way of life handed down by our fa- their forefathers, which would be what they were born into. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that not only can Jesus free you from your fear, but he can free you from the empty way of life. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, the devil will come and he'll give you some substitutes and he'll say, oh, this is good. You ought to try this. Oh, this is good. You ought to try this. That's good. You ought to try that. But he wants to steal and kill and destroy. But, But then Jesus said this. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And so what Jesus wants for you is abundant life, full life, meaningful life. He came to free you from emptiness. He came to free you from fear. And then third, he came to, um, he came to free you from sin. In, in Revelation, uh, in fact, we did a series and spent a great deal of time in Revelation, but we never went really to Revelation 1. Listen to Revelation 1, verse 5. This is a promise that Jesus has given to us. In the middle of the verse it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Have you ever had a habit that you just couldn't get rid of? Ever had something that happened to you and you just you just couldn't you couldn't beat it. You just couldn't get past it. You know, we live in a culture of addiction. I mean, people are addicted to alcohol. People are addicted to tobacco. People are addicted to football. Oh, that's, I'm meddling there. Uh, people, we're addicted to pornography. We're addicted to, uh, you know, to code. I mean, there's just so many things that we're in bondage to sin. And, and we just, we can't seem to get past it. And some of you here today, there, you've got, there's something in your life and, and maybe people know about it and maybe they don't know about it. And it doesn't even matter. 
But Jesus can free you from the power of sin. He can give you the courage. He can give you the strength. I mean, he, I promise, He can set you free. Now, some of you are not going to agree with this, but when, uh, years ago, a uh, number of years ago, I, I just, I grew up a cowboy. I like to dip Copenhagen. I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. But if you preach, you really don't need to be dipping Copenhagen. I mean, I just, I'm thinking a, a spittoon up here wouldn't, wouldn't work. And, but, but I like that stuff. I love that stuff. And so I said, I finally, I said, you know, God, we got to, we got to do something here. Or God said to me, we got to do something. And, and, uh, I was reading in Ecclesiastes, I think it's Ecclesiastes 5, 5. And it says, it's better to never make a vow than to make a vow and not keep it. And so I said, you know, God, by the grace of the, and the power of the Lord Jesus, if you'll help me, I'll not dip snuff anymore. And he set me free. Now, does that mean when I go out uh, on the farm, I don't think about a dip? No. In fact, I hang out with some of you and think about a dip, you know. <laughs> um, but he, he freed me. Now, you might be saying, yeah, but that's not the same as that. No, it's not the same. But Jesus said, in, in Luke 4, 18 and 19, he takes the scroll, the Old Testament law, and he spins it over there to Isaiah, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news, to preach deliverance to the captives, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And friend, if you'll trust him, if you'll surrender to him, he can set you free from your sin. He can do it. He promised he would. And so uh, the third benefit of, of being free uh, in Christ is you're free from your sin. Now, here's one of the things, here's what happens, and this is where, you know, you might think I'm getting to preaching, but, but think about this. If, if we've all sinned and, and, and we're in bondage to our sin and we're never free from our sin, there's another thing that's a result of that. It's called condemnation. Now, nobody, we live in a culture where everybody's, a, we don't want to condemn anybody. We don't need anybody to feel guilty or whatever. But, but the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you give your life to Christ, you don't face any of the penalty or the punishment for your sin. You, you just, you don't face any. Now, you might not, you may not be a Christian, or you might not be a Baptist or, or, or you might not even be a religious person at all. But all of us, all of us have a conscience that says some things are right and some things are wrong. We have this moral conscience. Whether we believe in God or, or, or don't, whether you are, you've surrendered your life to Christ or not, you have a moral compass that says certain things are wrong, certain things are right. This is the way it ought to be, and this is the way it ought not be. And even if you're amoral, and even if you're not a believer in Christ or not a believer in God, there's just certain things that we just say, man, that is wrong. That's just wrong. And there are other things we say, well, you know, that's just, that's right. Well, the thing is, 
God has spoken in his word that says certain things are wrong. And because of his holiness, he's got to punish those things. Because he's holy. I mean, there are certain things that happen in America. I mean, there are certain ways that people are treated. You know, if something, you know, if there are certain things that happen to people, then we cry out as a culture and say, that is wrong. Somebody's got to pay for that. Someone takes advantage of a little child, we say, hey, somebody's got to pay. That ought not be. And we've all come short of God's glory. And God's holiness says, somebody's got to pay. But God's love says, I'll send Jesus. And Jesus came and he paid. He gave the ransom. And when you surrender your life to Christ, you're free from condemnation. You're you're just free. God doesn't charge you for what you've done. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to pay for the stuff I've done. Now, we're not going to have, this isn't Oprah, we're not going to have open confession or anything this morning. But there's more stuff besides Copenhagen. I'm just telling you, there's just some other stuff. And I don't want to pay for my sin. I don't want to pay for yours. You don't want to pay for your sin. You don't want to pay for my sin. And the Bible says that when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, he pays the ransom. He pays the price for you. And he frees you from condemnation. And so you can be, you know, you can, you can be free from the bondage to sin, the power of sin. Uh, you can be uh, free from the punishment of sin. And then one other, there's one other benefit that I want to get to quickly. And that is, not only are we free from condemnation and sin, but we're also, the, the Bible says that we can be, we can be free, free from guilt. From guilt. And you, and you know what it is. I mean, there's been some times. I mean, I wish I could say, man, I wish I could say, man, I, I've, never, I've never messed up. But I bet every one of us, there's been a time in our life when something happened. You said something, you did something, you didn't do something, you didn't say something when you should have said something. But you could, you look back and go, man, I wish I would have fill in the blank. And every time you think about it, there's some guilt. I was about 19 or 20 years old, probably 20 years old. I was home from college or maybe even hadn't gone to college. We're sitting around the kitchen table and... My little brother and little sister, my mom and my dad, my older brother and older sister weren't there. But anyway, I, we were in a conversation. Somebody said something, and I kind of bowed up. Well, my dad said something to me, and I popped off this smart aleck remark, mean, ugly remark, and went out the door. And I never asked my dad's forgiveness. A couple years later, my dad died and went on. And I can never go back. And change that. You know, and, and there's just some stuff that's happened in our life. And a lot of people, they struggle with guilt. You know, because the thing of it is, we would just like a do-over. Man, I would love to go back to that conversation that morning, that, that summer morning, sitting at that, sitting around that table at 640 Northeast 2nd Avenue, Williston, Florida. I, I mean, I can see it right now. Love to go back. And there's some places you'd love to go back to. I mean, wouldn't it be great if life would give us a mulligan? You know, in golf, if you, if you screw up, they, you just take a mulligan. You hit another shot. 
You go in the water, you do it again. Or you're in the weeds, you go over there, you just use the hand wedge. You move it over a little bit and you just, you know. See, y'all do that. But, but in life, there's not any mulligans. We don't get to do that over. And so we got to live with that. And yet Jesus, when you surrender your life to Jesus, he can take away the guilt. Now, would I like to go back and change that? Sure, I would. Am I overwhelmed with guilt because of it? No, because he set me free from guilt. He set me free. And my question this morning, because I know some of you, I see out there, some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you could go back, but you can't. My question is, are you free from the guilt? Has it been taken away? Because you don't, you, don't you don't have to suffer the shame. You don't have to experience the guilt. You, you, you don't have to. Uh, years ago, I read a book by Chuck Colson. He was watching a uh, program on TV, and you, some of you may remember this. I think it was the guy's name was Albert Spears, but he was one of the most renowned criminals in the Nazi regime. Uh, of the 24 closest to Hitler, he was one of them. He was the only one that ever acknowledged his guilt. Spent over 20 years in prison. He wrote a book and he was interviewed on Good Morning America or one of those shows. And they were asking him uh, about being free. He said, well, you served your sentence. Are you now free? And he said, no, I'm not free. He said, by all accounts, I paid my debt to society. I should be free. But he said, I'm not. And he says, I wrote a book thinking that if I wrote this book, that I could be free. And the commentator looked at him and pressed the point and says, do you mean to tell me that you can't ever be free from the guilt and the shame? And he looked into the camera and he says, not ever. And Colson in his book says, I wanted to sit down and write him a letter and tell him about my Jesus and how Jesus had set me free. But he said that was Spears' last public appearance. He died soon after. And as far as we know, he died with the guilt and the shame. When Jesus Christ died to set him free. There's a verse in Hebrews that, I, that we need to look at. And then we're going to bring this thing to a close here in just a second. But Hebrews chapter 9, really important. If you have your Bible, it's really important that you look at this verse. You really, you really need to know this one. Hebrews 9, verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, the blood he shed on the cross... That first Easter. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus can cleanse your conscience and set you free. He can do it. He will do it. He wants to do it. You've got to be willing to surrender your life to Him. See, what happens is 
God will take, when you surrender your life to Christ, when you give him control, when you place your faith and trust in him, God takes our sin away. And when God takes away our sin, he takes away our fear, he takes away our emptiness, he takes away our guilt, and he takes away our condemnation. I brought this little globe I have in my office because there's a, there's a verse in Psalm 103, verse 12, says, So far has he removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. When you come to Christ and asking forgiveness, he takes your sin away as far as the east is from the west. Now, years ago, I thought about that, and I thought, well, you know, why not north and south? Well, see if I can find this here, the great state of Texas. If we're in Texas, if we go north, we're going to get to the top. And when we go down the other side, we're heading south. You go north, you get to the end, then you got to go south. But if you leave Texas going east, you keep going and going and going and going. Because there ain't no east pole. Right? I mean, I'm an Aggie, but there's no East Pole. (laughs) Or you turn around and you go west. And you keep going and going and going. But you don't get there because there's no West Pole. And what the Bible says is that God has removed our sin as far as it is from the east. You can't get to the east. To as far as it is from the West. You can't get to the West. And so the Bible says when you give your life to Jesus, He takes away that punishment and that guilt and that shame and the condemnation and the fear. It's gone forever and ever and ever. 1.2 million people died so you and I could be free to live in America. One perfect son of God died so you could be free from your sin forever. Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you given your heart and your life to Jesus? Because if you have, you're free forever but if you haven't why not surrender your life to Jesus Christ today why would you want to hold on to something that brings you guilt that brings you fear that makes you feel condemned why would you want to hold on to that when you could be free I mean, imagine with me, imagine what it would be like to lay down on your pillow tonight when the lights are out, when the TV, the music, when there's nothing, no noise, just you in the dark. Imagine what it would be like to lay your head down on your pillow and know I am free indeed forever. I don't have to pay. I don't have to stay here. Jesus has set me free. Imagine what that would be like.
Some of you have been holding on to stuff for a lifetime. Something happened to you when you were a kid. You, you happened to somebody when you were a kid. And you can't get away. But he'll free you as far as the east is from the west. If you'll surrender your life to him. And so my question is. Would you. Would you. Would you. Give your life to Jesus. Today. Would you give your life to Christ today? Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you don't know what it truly means to be forgiven forever, will you give your life to Christ today? Would you right now ask Jesus Christ to come live in your life and take control of your heart? Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to say a prayer to him, inviting him to come have control of your life and to forgive your sin and to free you from the guilt and the condemnation and the fear and the emptiness that life brings? Would you be willing to say this prayer to him? If you are, in your heart, you can ask him to give you a new life. You can say to him, Lord Jesus, I know you died to pay the ransom for my sin. Jesus, this morning, Pastor Mike's been very clear. If you come into my life, you'll set me free. You'll walk with me down this journey and help me overcome fear, the bondage, the guilt, the emptiness. And so, Jesus, I give you my life today. I surrender my heart to you today. Come live in me and give me a brand new start. The friend, if the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and truly believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. And I hope this morning that you open your heart to Jesus Christ. I hope today that you pray to give him your life. Many of us here this morning are believers, and yet some of us are still struggling with the fear, the guilt, the shame. And I wonder if you'd be willing today just to confess to Jesus, Jesus, I, I, I've been living where I don't have to live. I want you to come and set me free.